0: Welcome to From the Booth, a podcast where we talk about the films playing at BYU's International Cinema. We are in week two of 14 of the International Cinema program. My name is Brad Barber. I'm co-director of International Cinema, and today in the booth, we'll be discussing the film Cinema Sabaya, directed by Orit Boks Rotem. And here to discuss the film with me in the booth is a returning guest, friend of the pod, Professor Amy Jensen. Amy is a professor in the BYU Theater and Media Arts Department. She, is, she currently serves as Associate Dean of Faculty Development and Research in the College of Fine Arts and Communications. Amy loves teaching and learning alongside students more than almost anything. I believe that is true. She's a passionate consumer of other people's stories, especially in books, movies, art, or on the stage. And Right now she's pretty sure she is in, in her stone fruit era. Welcome back, Amy. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks, Brad. I had to get a little Taylor Swift reference.
0: I was going to say, my first question is, (laughs) tell us about the stone fruit era. What's going on?
1: I mean, I can't stop eating nectarines and peaches. I've always liked them, but for some reason at this age and at this time of year, I can't stop buying and eating nectarines, peaches, plums, uh, pluots, the list goes on. So there you go. Didn't you?
0: Uh, you mentioned Taylor Swift. Did you to see any Eras tour?
1: Yeah, my daughters and I went uh, to Las Vegas. So we were early adopters. Nice. And I have a little story. I actually got the tickets from one of our film students who was a student in my class. I hope that's not <laughs> inappropriate to say. She and her boyfriend had bought uh, two sets of tickets and weren't going to be able to use one of the sets. And so I immediately sta- snapped them up. And some of the other students asked if I gave her an A. And I said, she already deserved the A that she was getting. <laughs> but it was delightful. It was, it was quite a show. I've heard that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So for the listeners listening to this, uh, we're recording this on September 1st. It is right before the first day of the semester. This is really, the, I said the second episode, but this is really the first real episode. The first one, it was just the co-directors talking about the season and stuff. You're our first guest of the season. It's almost time for school to start here at BYU. How are you feeling? How do you feel at this time of year at BYU, right before fall starts?
1: I actually feel like this is the start of the year for me. I know for lots of people, the new year begins in January. But for me, this is when the new year begins. I love it when uh, students start to... Uh, drive into town, bike into town, start to walk across the street like my daughters do and start to unpack and move in and start to fill this space with their uh, life and energy. And I'm actually always so excited for this time of year.
0: Amen to all that. I love it. I feel so similarly for the listeners at home. I should explain you and I've worked together for 16 years now. You know, in the theater and media arts department. And we even team taught a class where we were helping a group of young women make a documentary. And so the table is well set for our conversation today, I think, about this great film, Cinema Sabaya. I couldn't think of anyone I would rather talk to about this film based on on what I know about you, your work experiences. I'm really excited to get into that conversation. But first, I've prepared some questions to help our listeners get to know you. And I'll I'll get to know even better too. I'm excited to hear how you answer them because you are always somebody that I think of as very thoughtful about describing things and memories that are really special to you. And cinema of course is a huge part of your life and um I'm excited to hear how you answer these three questions. Uh, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. First question, what is the first film you remember going to see?
1: Well, I think that I probably saw lots of movies before this, but one, uh, one experience that I have that really impacts me is when I was maybe like nine or 10 and my brother was like seven or eight, our mom decided that on, that we would participate in a, a city program where on Tuesdays you took swimming lessons and on uh, Thursdays you went to the movies. And so for a whole summer, my brother and I went to the movies with other kids. We had popcorn and treats and we saw the shaggy dog and we saw probably the lumpug bug and flubber and those kinds of movies. But I vividly remember being in that space with people my age and just thinking it was the coolest thing that ever happened. And I really liked swimming lessons, but
0: I loved
1: going with other people.
0: That sounds like a great combo.
1: Yeah, it was very cool. jealous.
0: <laughs> okay, question number two. What is one of your favorite memories of watching a movie? You said that was one of your earliest memories. and That sounds like a pretty cool time yeah. watching. Do you have anything else about like a special memory of watching a movie that you hold on to?
1: Actually have two that I think are really important to me. And so maybe I'll share both. Please. One just happened uh, maybe like eight or nine years ago. We were helping to clean out a space at my uh, in-laws home and we found a uh, super eight footage and that super eight footage uh, was silent and it was of my mother-in-law and my father-in-law introducing my oldest sister-in-law, who was a baby, who was a newborn baby to the rest of their extended family. And in it, my mother-in-law feeds her from a bottle and my father-in-law picks her up and holds her above his head. And these are people that like me had to wait for years to have a child and their first child is adopted And what they don't know in this film is that my mother-in-law is already pregnant with her second child. So they come very close together. But um, that footage is remarkable to me. It's before my husband is born, but it sets the stage for who my children are, how my husband and I interact, and how much we love that extended family. So I love that. But I was also thinking wow. about an international cinema film that I remember from way, way back that, uh, that I love. I remember seeing Eat, Drink, Man, Woman and being enthralled by the relationship between the daughters and their father and particularly one of the daughters. I was at a period in my life when I was watching this where I wanted my dad to understand who I was more than probably anybody mm-hmm. in the world and was struggling with that and watching them do it and watching them do it through a making process. The film has, they're preparing beautiful food and sometimes they're preparing not so beautiful food when that relationship is not as good, but that beautiful making of something for another person became really important to me in terms of strengthening my relationship with my dad and my mom. And so it's always held a really special place in my heart. I I think it came out in 1994. So it's a long time ago, maybe 20 years ago, but so beautiful to me.
0: Those are such great examples. I love that you chose those for, for different reasons, but I completely agree film can do this amazing thing to our spirits can't it when we're thinking about our relationships or the people that mean the most to us by seeing other other stories on screen we start to think about it in a way we maybe don't otherwise i love that you chose a super eight home movie too nobody's ever answered that question (laughs) i've answered i've asked this question in other settings and i've never heard anyone say that that it was a home movie especially a super eight movie uh i have similar special memories of being a child and watching Images from Super 8 projected, and how special that felt for when yeah. I was in a family that we recognized. That's so cool. Thank you for answering that. Okay, third question: What film do you most relate to, or see yourself in the most?
1: Well, this changes for me has changed for me throughout my life, lots of times. But right now, I would say that uh, Sarah Polly's "Women Talking" is uh, the film that I most relate to right now. And while well, I haven't had, the, in the film, they have like this really, really difficult thing that's happening to this community of women and uh, others that they love. Um, and they go about uh, deciding how to work through this difficult circumstance, these, this difficult thing that's happening to them by reasoning together. And um, one of the things that strikes me is their spiritual integrity. Uh, their decisions are centered on the basic precepts of their community. And yet in the end, they, they continue to carry with them that spiritual integrity and the basic important things of their community. But they have to eventually move away from their community to keep their children safe and um, and to keep their own bodies safe. And they reason together to do that. And I think the power of people talking together, people having conversations together, and particularly in my life, women talking to each other has done that same thing for me. That reasoning together with all of our heart, our souls and our mind is just is so important. And it was interesting to me. I read a little bit about, um, the film that we're talking, uh, about today before I watched it. And there were sometimes some comparisons between those two. And so that was interesting to me. Um, there's lots that they don't have in common, but that thread of having a conversation is, is right there.
0: Showing even more why you were the person to come talk about this film today. I'm so excited. That's a great, great pick. I love that film. And yeah, the comparisons are interesting between Cinema Sabaya and that film. Um, It's a nice transition to our conversation about this terrific film that features women seeing themselves, seeing others in the films that they make and the things they talk about. Before we dive into our discussion, I'll just give the viewers a glimpse of what the film's about. Uh, in this film, a group of women, Arab and Jewish, become unlikely classmates and friends in a community video workshop. Their young instructor and assigns each to share something of their lives through a camera, challenging the group's worldviews and capacity for acceptance. And this is something interesting I learned recently. The director uh, herself taught filmmaking classes for women in Israel before making the film for years while she was developing the script over about eight years. And a lot of these you know, characters have similarities to experiences she had had. Um, I want to start, though, with the kind of the bigger picture question. And we've touched on a little bit already, but what do you think cinema does for people in terms of empathy or understanding those who are different from themselves?
1: Well, uh, for me, I think that it really, uh, like, we, we can go and we can watch a film and we can have a conversation with the, with the, filmmakers in that way uh just sitting there um we might feel something deeply or be reminded of something that feels familiar one of the things that i'm filled with regularly that i feel in conversation with when i watch a film is the aesthetic beauty of something Mm. of of the way that something is depicted that really resonates with me or enlivens me in a new way But more important than that for me is the conversation that we have with each other about what we see and hear. One of the things that I find when I go to the movies, uh, whether it's international cinema or whether I'm at at home watching something, when I'm watching it with others, um, I often have a great opportunity of learning something different. They see something that I didn't see. Or their experience that they bring to it informs the film in a way that's interesting to me, even though I often like to hold on to the ways that, that mm-hmm. I engage with or encounter something that I see.
0: That is so cool. It sounds like you're saying it's not just learning. The, the experience of cinema isn't just learning about the people whose lives you're seeing on screen, but maybe also the people are sitting next to you watching that.
1: Well, for me, for me, that's important. And I am not saying that I go to the cinema that, you know, I go to Provo town center and I like tap on somebody's shoulder and have a conversation with them. I never do that. I'm too much of an introvert for that. But I really do like to um, I like to watch things with other people. Or I like to have a conversation later about something that I've seen. Like a hall- We often have hallway conversations about the things that we've seen. And um, other people's insights uh, are really important for me. Reading what other people have to say about the films is also really important to me in terms of broadening my worldview. I often just mm-hmm. hold in my heart the things that I initially thought But it really helps to uh, engage my mind to hear and read what other people have to say. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. You're hitting me near and dear with the Provo Town Center. My son just finished working there this (laughs) summer. And I learned so much about the clientele that goes to Provo Town Center. Wonderful, (laughs) wonderful place. I'm really interested in your ideas about um, how learning to make videos also from our lives. We've talked just now about watching them, but how about making them? I'm interested in learning uh, about your perspective on that because I know you were instrumental in a program called Hands on a Camera. For those listening that don't know about it, can you first explain what Hands on a Camera is?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, For years uh, at BYU, we had a program uh, called Hands on a Camera that was uh, essentially a media literacy program. And the idea behind it was if you put uh, a camera uh, in a student's in a student's hands and we were talking at that time we were thinking I was thinking about my own students here at BYU but I was also thinking about high school students that I'm really concerned with and even elementary school students um, that if you put a camera in their hands and taught them how to use that and then talk with them about the things that they captured it allowed them to have deep conversations with each other about their footage, that they would learn something about each other and they would learn something about the world. And by extension, uh, and this was important for uh, our college students to be thinking about as they were teaching the younger students, by extension, learn something about how the media is made, uh, how media Mm -hmm. is curated, for example, how it's edited to uh, have an effect on our minds and our hearts and our bodies. And uh, sometimes that's done in beautiful ways and sometimes it's done in complicated and dangerous ways. And Mm -hmm. so that media literacy component was for them to feel empowered to tell their own story, but then also to have a realization about how media stories are told. Mm -hmm. by others so that they would be more informed and literate as they encountered those kinds of stories. And
0: this is what age group again?
1: So uh, what I would do is I would work with college students Mm -hmm. to go out into classrooms in our uh, local area. And we would teach uh, a class over the course of uh, two to four months, depending on what the teachers that we were engaging with um wanted us to do uh where the students would make small films about their life. Usually they were like 1 to 2 minute films and yeah. uh we would take them through exercises that would help them to determine what their voice was, what they wanted to see, what they wanted others to hear. Uh and then it would culminate in a small film festival where they would share their work with their parents. And it was so interesting to see Especially the elementary students sharing their work with their parents and how excited their parents were that they were developing uh, these skills. And when we first did this, it was, it was long before we had um, iPhones in our uh, pockets. And now it's so natural for us to uh, make film. But I don't know if it's natural for us to discriminate and to be to carefully curate what we make and to intentionally put things out into the world. And so I still think there's um, real purpose behind uh, media literacy um, courses like this that we see in the film, but also that we still do at BYU that help people to develop a sense of how to go about uh, telling their story, either their audio story or their video story
0: i'm such a fan of this i wish this happened in every school district yeah. in america uh what so this is like high school middle school how how
1: how yeah long or so some so depending on so um we did this over a series of years and it really depended on the people that we could get bite to bite into it hmm. and so we did it in elementary settings sometimes we did it in uh junior high settings and in high school settings across the board across the board really because we were just trying to get teachers who wanted to engage with us who are willing for us to come in and teach over a period of time and to really teach with us so that they could do it on their own eventually in this particular form it eventually went away um after about 10 or 12 years because i had new assignments at the university but um I teach a class on campus um, for uh, theater and media and sometimes English students who are practicing teachers where we develop these skills still. So the notion behind it still carries on um, every winter semester.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. I don't want to put words in your mouth. You can tell me this is not the case at all. I'm, I'm hearing all these awesome outcomes that happened with learning and media literacy in particular. Would you say that you or your students witnessed there being somewhat of a community building aspect to Mm. this experience for the students?
1: Yeah, I think I think that this isn't uh, this doesn't just happen around film. But whenever we have the opportunity to share our stories in whatever form it is with others, get feedback, they become invested in our work Mm. and we have conversations about our work. Um, I think that there's this opportunity to build community. And one of the ways that I think that this happens in Cinema Savaya in such beautiful ways is the intentional effort that she makes to have exercises that they do together where they see something that someone else, uh, uh, sees in their own home space, in the space that's important to them. Mm -hmm where they voice something while we're watching an image, where they take time just to listen to something. And even though the exercises that we do in the class that I currently teach or the class that I formerly teach are a little bit different than that, those are all, uh, we do something like those to generate an enthusiasm, a conversation, critique around the work. So that they can know each other and see each other and, and learn to value each other's unique experiences, which I think happens in this film.
0: Absolutely. And that's what's so exciting about it. And I feel like I should throw a huge disclaimer out there that, I mean, speaking for myself, by no stretch of the imagination do I have expertise or really any valuable insight in terms of the multiple myriad, you know, very complex, um, what, Relationships between Arab and Jewish women. Um, I studied as an undergrad in the middle, in the Middle East for two years or two years for two months, uh, which does not qualify does not qualify me for anything. But um, anyway, I just want to throw that out there. There's there's a whole layer here of, of a very uh, storied and, and difficult what conflict that exists, and yet you see this community start to be built. I think in in a huge part, because of those exercises you're describing, those little scenes from their homes, it just I, the one of the things that blew me away the most. It's simple but profound at the same time.
1: Just yeah, I think I think that uh and maybe I've already said this, but if I could maybe articulate more clearly those those moments where we see into their homes, uh mm-hmm. and then they talk about what they're trying to accomplish with what we with what they've filmed. Uh, or they add insight to it. It just endears me and you can see it endearing them yeah. to each other. Um, there's one part that I just love where, um, the woman films a space and she apologizes for it the whole time. And she's talking about how crowded it is and how, how it's not what she wants. It is where she lives, but, um, but it's an uncomfortable space for her. So she's just done the assignment, but it, she doesn't really feel like it's her space. And the teacher asks her what her space would be. And her whole physical self changes. It just lightens and she laughs and she talks about the main street in Tel Aviv and how she loves it because it's open and dogs are walking and people are shouting and life is there. And I just thought, Oh, she wouldn't have been able to have that conversation about what she, what she did feel was a home space unless that teacher had been as attentive as she was. She was such an attentive. She listened. She carefully listened. She carefully guided what they saw and what they heard with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. loved
0: that. I did too. I kept taking notes of things I want to try in my classroom, yeah. to be honest. Did, um. Did this story make you notice anything in particular about how community building might take place between women in particular? Mm-hmm. It's not just that they're in this part of the world, but they're all women. They're different ages. Uh, what what Did you have any thoughts about that? Or based on your experiences, either with hands on a camera or even anything in your life?
1: Sure. Um, well, one of the things I love about the film is that these women are all like municipal workers. Mm. But they have like, the strangest variation of jobs like one is an artist working with children in the community and one is over HR or one is a lawyer and so their their experiences in the world are really diverse their uh, class is really different Mm -hmm. Uh, and obviously they have this other really complex thing that they their primary language is different uh, if they're Jewish or arab mm-hmm. um they're speaking a, in a common language, but it's not necessarily their first language, and so there's this complexity that's happening across the board of difference, and yet, when they sit down and focus on um on uh, the work at hand, what comes out are questions about motherhood and singleness and, um, partnership with the partners that they have and just what it looks like to be, um, to be a woman in the world. And they don't necessarily agree. There is this older lady who is constantly like letting the other women know how it should be she directly tells a woman that she has to maybe even stay in an abusive relationship, um, just because that's what one does. And, and the other women stand up for this woman. And eventually this woman comes along and really, this older woman really helps, helps this woman who is struggling. Um, but I love that it's through the work that they're doing that they're able to develop this conversation that leads to community. And I actually believe it ha- this happens in a lot of spaces. I have sat around, I'm not a quilter, but I sat around a lot of quilts mm-hmm. with women of varying ages who are working on the same quilt or working together on, uh, on uh, uh, they're working singly on a quilt with other women in the room who are working on different ones. And though that opportunity of making helps them to, bring conversation to the fore that eventually allows them to have conversations about probably some of the same things that these women are talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe men and women are makers, but I believe that women using their hands and their bodies together is one space where they really begin to have conversation. And that probably happens for men too, but I have lots of experiences with it happening with women
0: it's something felt familiar to you in this setting yeah for sure
1: that's wonderful I mean I've participated in relief society for most of my adult life and sometimes we're um, we're in the kitchen at our church where a woman who is a professor on this campus organized um, us uh, making sack lunches for uh, the homeless and we we Our ward has done it over years and years and years um every other sunday um and we have conversation while we're doing that. sometimes it's just two women who are uh taking care of right now uh, I am taking care of a college age student and I'm taking care of a professional woman and I'm taking care of a woman in, um, who is a retired woman. And the remarkable thing is because I have an assignment to see them. I have a relationship with them and almost always they care about me and care for me more than I care. Like I I can physically care for them Uh, in every case, because I have this assignment to do something, uh, to minister to them, they minister back to me in ways that are remarkable and powerful so i think Mm -hmm. that having something to do particularly creative Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is really helpful in having these kinds of conversations, particularly for women for me
0: that totally makes sense maybe this is a future relief society activity
1: i think it would be cool (laughs) i mean i've done some similar things with relief societies that i've been in but i do think this could be a cool thing for some relief society uh Ladies and gentlemen in your course, you should like, be figuring out how to do something like this after you see this film. Um, I think it could be really useful for you in getting to know, getting to know the people around you. Amen. I
0: agree. Uh, one of the things this is really similar to what we've been talking about, but I want to just put a little bit finer point on it. One of the things I kept thinking about when watching it was how these assignments where they watched things that they had filmed and talked about their dreams uh, it gave voice to people that may not always have a really um, loud voice in group conversations, not just in this particular culture or setting, but I certainly thought about parallels here in Utah where we live in our culture, uh, older women, particularly there's older women in my family that I listen to with every ounce that I can. And for every second I'm with them, I want to absorb every possible thing I can learn from them. And it's, Noticeable that that hasn't always been the experience for them when they've spoken, they have not always been listened to. And if, I, sometimes I felt like in this film, there was a really cool thing happening where people were learning some of these women were learning how to express their voice because in a way that they just hadn't, they weren't accustomed to being asked to do. You know, I don't know if I'm making sense, but I wonder if you noticed any parallels with, I don't know, experiences either in your family or here in utah valley where there's some voices maybe we'd benefit from listening to a bit more attentively who aren't always going to grab the spotlight maybe they're not going to point the cell phone camera at themselves and you know stream something with social media but they've got these incredible stories and insights that are just waiting for us to learn from
1: one of my favorite characters in the film is the woman who is most silent Mm -hmm. she's uh she's she's silent because she's a quiet soul. She's silent because she has a lot of conflict that's happening in her marriage. She has six children that she's dealing with. And when she talks about her dreams, her dream is to learn to drive. And, uh, there's a lot of conversation around this because people think she hasn't driven because it's not allowed. Maybe some people who are, um, uh, not, um, not like her think that maybe she's been prevented from driving and it comes out that maybe there's a little bit of that but it's not cultural and eventually these women work very hard to try and help her to be able to accomplish this small goal. So one of the things that's so interesting to me is they offer all kinds of solutions for this woman and they come up with creative ideas and they're willing to help her to get to the place where she can learn to drive. Um, But they also have to back off when it becomes too much for her. And so that was something really powerful for me to think about in my relationships with I have two daughters who are here on campus right now. One's an environmental science major and one's an English major. And they are bright and capable. And I am also bright and capable. And I am seasoned. I'm a seasoned mother. And so sometimes I like to offer like a hundred possible solutions (laughs) to a challenge that they have. Or I like to share all the possible creative ways that they might be able to go about something. And uh, one of the things that I was thinking while I was watching this is sometimes our role is in that listening to other women, to other people, is to help where we can and also back off where we can Mm -hmm. so they can... They can do the thing that they're uniquely capable of doing in beautiful and powerful ways, which is, I think, what happened in this film.
0: Nicely said. Nicely said. Any other thoughts you'd like to share or things that you noticed, Amy? You've got the final word here.
1: Yeah, I actually, there was something that was really poignant to me. This, uh, there's a, the teacher is uh, really creative and innovative in uh, the ways that she gets women to think and talk and make uh, work, make, make their films in in uh, in this movie. But there is a moment where they discover that she is maybe doing something that they feel is counter to the class. And she's a filmmaker herself and she's watching these beautiful women make beautiful things and she begins to think like all of us creators do maybe something can be made out of this thing that we did together and one of the women discovers that she's trying to do this and she lets the whole class know and relationships break down in a way that is uncomfortable and she she continues on with humility Uh, the teacher. She continues on with humility and with grace and um, in very small ways, not getting what she wants in the end. Um, And yet still loving these people. That was remarkable to me. It was really beautiful. We do that all the time as teachers and as people who are teachers and artists we sometimes we sometimes mix those roles in ways that can become uncomfortable for other people and it was a real learning experience for me to watch her have humility and I think that that's one of the things that I love about this film and about having conversations about film that if we have uh we share our creativity, that's one thing that's important. If we share our voice, that's one thing that's important. But this listening to and learning from somebody else, even when they tell us something that's difficult, even when they prevent us from doing maybe the thing that we really want us to do, want to do ourselves, they're still learning in that when we can act with attention to them and a humility, I think things, the world can be better. Our films can be better. She obviously made this film eventually out of her experiences that are not the direct experiences that she had while being a teacher. So- talking about the director of the film? Yeah, the director of the film. I love that that happened. And I love that the woman who uh, portrays the filmmaker and the teacher in this film takes care with the women first, takes care of the women first in the end. I really loved that.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for sharing all these insights. Amy, I could listen to you all day. I always love learning from you. Thank you for sharing these with our listeners. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today on From the Booth. We're grateful for the support of BYU College of Humanities. You can check out our schedule this great schedule for this semester. Uh, you can read about our films and more at ic.byu.edu, with the letters IC. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not represent official views of the university or its supportive institutions. Also, each week we will post trivia on our Instagram story about the films playing at IC. We're at at BYU underscore IC, again the letters IC, The first person to message us the right answer on that story will get an IC sticker that they can pick up in 250 Kimball Tower. We cannot mail them to you. Please don't ask us to do that. You gotta come get them. And uh, work on the sound for this episode is by Hayden Underwood. Original music is by Johnny Stallings. Thank you again, Amy. To all of our listeners, we hope to see you in room 250 of the Kimball Tower, and we'll talk again next time from the booth.